Welcome to the His Light and Life podcast with your host, Mark, who will be your guide to enhance, deepen, and enrich your Christian life. To turn your focus away from just getting by to walking with God in His light and life. Welcome back to His Light and Life. We left off last time, we were talking about the importance of communication, how God communicating would have to be understood at the level of who he was communicating to. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that that's where he is at. That doesn't mean that that's the level he is at. We will spend all eternity and never discover the fullness of God. Okay? We, we've been brought into a relationship with God. And it's important to understand that. Like when you think about the Old Testament covenant, the Old Testament sacrifices, etc. Here, let me read something here. It was, it was designed to bring them into a relationship with God. So it's important that you note that most of what we do in our Christian life is for us to stay in fellowship with him. This isn't, you know, we're, he's not explaining to us the depths of who he is. He's not giving us the fullness of himself as the man in the boat. He's not the, you know, he, he says, my ways are higher than your ways. High as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. This is about God coming to man and giving man the tools and vehicle to stay in fellowship with him. Yeah. I said a long time ago, one of these earlier podcasts, I said, you know, the Bible as written is the most incomplete book you will ever touch. Absolutely. Historically, scientifically. I mean, it's very incomplete. And it's purposefully incomplete because really it's only conveying one message and it's conveying a covenant. I mean, for example, let me say, let me say it this way. If you had, um, well, I gave that story, that illustration of that general, the old, a man who died and he had two daughters. And you were, um, let's just say that you were invited down to the reading of that meeting. Let's say the guy lived to be 80 years of age and he had, you know, he had traveled the world and started companies, had homes in five different places. And he had, uh, you know, he had two PhDs and you know he was he was just one of these guys that everyone says wow he lived he lived more and more in his life than five people in five lifetimes okay that would be the description of the gentleman who's passed away but you never met the guy you, you know you don't you never knew anything about his story you didn't know that you know the main street in the town you live on is named after him you don't know any of that stuff and you're just invited, you know, you're walking down a hall and you're in, and um, you said to someone, hey, could I have a coffee? And they said, sure. Yeah. And they take you into a little room and, and you walk into this little room and you, in the next room, the doors open a tiny little bit. In the next room, you there's a lawyer in there reading a will to two daughters, the two daughters we talked about earlier. And that lawyer is conveying to the two daughters the will and wishes, the last testament of the gentleman that died who had done all of these incredible things who had lived this incredibly full life was well into his 80s when he died 
And you heard the lawyer read down onto my daughter, you know, Sylvia, XYZ, and then onto my daughter, Jill, XYZ. And you listened to that, and you from that took away and thought, okay, well, oh, okay, so that the purpose of that was to explain this man who died. From the reading of those wills, you're going to get, from the reading of those two, two wills to his two daughters, you're going to put together a caricature of the man himself? God came to the earth in the form of his son Jesus, God the Son. He became flesh and dwelt among us to redeem us, to buy us back, to put us in right standing with him, to open the communication lines between him and us. And to give us the tools and the power and the equipment at this phase of our relationship with him, which are more than enough to stay in fellowship with him, to stay in relationship with him, to stay in fellowship with that light. You who were darkness, you who were far, you were far off, you've been brought near. And you've been equipped, you've been given everything that you need to remain near unto him. That's what the Bible's talking about. That's primarily its full, its full purpose and definition. It doesn't claim anything other than that. It doesn't claim anything under the, other than that. You don't know who... You don't know the name. You don't know who was Pharaoh, five Pharaohs from the Pharaoh that was there when the Jews were there. You don't know that. You, you don't know. I mean, we have the names of the empires that were around in the promised land, half of them, part of them, some of them. It doesn't give us a geology lesson on the on the promised land. It doesn't tell us any of that stuff. The oil that was found, you know, the fossil fuels that were it doesn't mention that. It, it, it doesn't describe those things at all. And that's what I mean when I say the Bible, because the Bible is intended as a form of communication to us so that we could be in fellowship with the Father God. Let me read this here. This is in Hebrews 9, 11, 4, 11 to 14. But Christ being come on high, Christ being come an high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. So this is the comparison to the sand of the sea. So we're talking about the new high priest of the stars of the sky versus the high priesthood that was in the tabernacle in the wilderness. Okay? Because Jesus didn't go into a tabernacle in the wilderness here. He didn't go into an earthly tabernacle and minister as a high priest. He went into the one that's in heaven. And he didn't minister for the nation of Israel. He ministered for the sons of God. Stars of the sky, sand of the sea. Two completely different people. So this is a definition, this is a comparison of those two covenants. I'm going to read this again. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in onto 
the holy place, having obtained an eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Now, I want to make a massive detour there, but <laughs> but I am not going to. Uh, we will get back to that. Uh, in the days ahead, Look, uh, we will be talking about the conscience of man. The conscience of man. But that's not what we're... we're for today, we're talking about the distinctiveness of the communication system. And by that, the true limitations of the scripture, because the scriptures really are comp- concentrated on a very, very narrow parsh- portion of our relationship, of God's revelation of himself, pardon me. And the portion of scripture that the, that the, that the Bible is dealing with is the fellowship of the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky with him and what's necessary and what's required to do that. Okay? And that's vital for us. That's vital for us going under, going forward. And that's why Jesus had to become a man and dwell among us. Because in our fallen, ruined state, there's no possibility that we could ever, through because what you're left with is your own ability. You're, you're left with your own ability, but the problem with your own ability is it's undermined by the self-reliance of the nature of Adam in us. So not only um, is the desire to do that not there; it's not present. The desire to to fellowship with God is not present in man. Man is in a state of rebellion from God. So not only is that that desire not present, but the power is not available either. So the desire is not present and the power is not available. So man neither desires to know God. And even if he did, he would never have the power to be acceptable, to live in a way or to be a, become something that would be acceptable to him. Okay? The only way that we could be bought back, brought back, is by the God himself and the standard that he has in himself becoming a man and doing it for us in a, substitu- a substitutionary act. And when you look at Jesus' life, when you look at Jesus, you know, the man in the boat becoming a fish, you have to understand that he became man in the flesh for us. For us. And every single aspect of that transference when he came here was for us. So the earthly walk of Jesus, you need to see it through the lens of a substitution. Who had, who had the desire to please God and at the same time had the ability to please God. He did not have the fallen nature in him. He did not have the Adamic nature in him. He was the second Adam. Born of a woman, born in the earth, a truly natural man, but at the same time, uh, truly divine. And that is crucial. 
That's vitally important for our understa- for our understanding. I want to read a. I want to read a. This is a quote. This is uh, this is from. Um, this is a Spurgeon quote from Spurgeon's sermons. This one is in volume five. And he said, Charles Spurgeon said, An absolute God apart from the Lord Jesus Christ can afford no comfort whatever to the troubled heart. We may look to him and we shall be blinded. For the light of the Godhead is insufferable. And as mortal eye cannot fix its gaze upon the sun, no human intellect could ever look unto God and find light. For the brightness of God would strike the eye of the mind with eternal blindness. The only way to which we can see God is through the mediator, Jesus Christ. God shrouded and veiled in the manhood. There with steady gaze we can behold him. For so he cometh down to us, and our poor finite intelligence and understanding lay hold of him. So we see that when God became a man, right? So that was Charles Spurgeon. But we see that by God becoming a man, living on this earth for 33 and a half years, is a foundational truth in the Bible. If Jesus was not God, Let's just, for example, he's not God. Then everything he said and did would be thrown into the same heap as van, same vanity heap as philosophers. If he came here and said what he said, and he wasn't God, then what he said is of no value. What he said could not bear any fruit. What he said could not come to pass. His prophecies, his his proclamations, demonstrations, all of the things that we see that he did here would just be, we could just throw it all in the same heap as a typical philosopher. Okay? So it's important to see that in order for us to understand God, God would have to come to us. He would have to, quote, discover us, and then we would have a revelation of him at the level that we're at. So God is not a man, but God became a man. The Son of God became a man in the flesh on this earth and conveyed the directives, the will of God to us as it pertains to our redemption and our, and our continuous fellowship with God. But we understood it from the perspective, but it had to be conveyed in the, in, at the understanding of the level that we had, and that was as of a man. Okay, But that's why it says Jesus has been made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Okay? Those things are all conveyed to human beings. So it's God's wisdom being conveyed to us. God's righteousness being inferred to us, being, being taken our place so that we could have fellowship and relationship with him. God's sanctification, the sanctifying power of God being transmitted to us so that we could walk. That's the power now to walk in a holy life. So we had to be declared holy, righteousness, but then you have to remain holy, sanctification, and redemption. And that's our full transmission, our full in our full 
in God completely enveloping us and bringing us all to himself in the final temple of God where we are completely and totally bought back, completely redeemed, the fullness of the redemptive plan coming to fruition. And that's what the Bible is dealing with. And that's what the Bible is prime is speaking about. Okay? And it's important for us to know that. People look to look to aspects of the scripture for things that it simply does not say. Okay? The incarnation of God. God became flesh and dwelt among us. That Jesus Christ was God the Son and he became a man. And his entire life was a substitutionary mission according to the will of God and according to his obedience to that will. And in absolute obedience to the will of God, he came to this earth and he lived and he taught and he died shedding his blood, innocent blood for our sins. And in that process, buying us back. The elect of God, the sand of the sea that Abraham saw, had to be bought back. The children of Israel, their entrance into that covenant was the cutting off of the flesh in circumcision. And ours is the cutting off of the Adamic nature. A new spirit, a new creation in Christ Jesus translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. Okay? That's vital. That's an absolutely vital truth to understand. It's so important that we not get so caught up in the second coming of Jesus Christ that we forget about the first coming of Jesus Christ. Okay? I want to finish up here with another, it's a bit of a lengthy read, but it's so fantastic. And this is um, um, Lewis Schaefer. And this is uh, out of his systematic theology. It says, certainly from the divine viewpoint, this is talking about the, the incarnation. Certainly from a divine viewpoint, such a descent from the ineffable heights of heaven in which the second person dwelt in eternity past to the sphere of inhabited by the mere creatures of his hand in order that he might lift them to the sphere of his eternal glory constitutes an event of boundless importance. This unprecedented and never to be repeated crisis experience in the eternal existence of the second person is of itself beyond the range of human understanding while its effects on the company of the redeemed the redeemed one ones takes taken from among his creatures who through the inherent right established by his advent into their sphere are finally presented in eternal glory conformed to his image constitutes an achievement of surpassing importance whether the achievement be valued by the dwellers on the earth of by the, or by the highest angels in heaven, 
The transcendent importance of this doctrine is to be seen in the truth that what the unique God-man is and what he does is altogether grounded in the reality of his incarnation, his essential deity, his humanity, his personality, and his virgin birth being contributing factors to this person through his deity. I want to thank you for spending some time with me on His Light and Life as we've uh, worked our way through a few of the points of the Incarnation. I want to thank you for joining me, and we will see you again next time. Thank you for listening to His Light and Life. Do you have questions or want to speak with Mark? Please reach out using the email in the description. We'll see you next time on His Light and Life.